Welcome to Side Talks. This is the official podcast for the Sidewalk Film Festival and Cinema. I'm Rachel Morgan, creative director for the Sidewalk Film Festival and Cinema. And I'm Corey Kraft, feature film programmer for the Sidewalk Film Festival. This is the podcast where we talk about all kinds of things sidewalk, and that means all All things things cinema. And now, a look at what we're watching this week. What I've been watching this week is a film that we actually screened at Sidewalk that mm-hmm. I'm really super proud that we screened at Sidewalk that um, we have actually rescreened here for my class and um, the documentary film class I teach or co-teach with Andy Grace mm-hmm. and Tuscaloosa at the University of Alabama. Um, and that film is Wrestle. Yeah. And Wrestle is so damn good. Yeah, it is. You know, the interesting thing about programming, there are several interesting things about programming, but one of them is that you get lost in the sea of films. Mm-hmm. And, like, you're pretty proud of all of them, I think, you know, or most of them. <laughs> and But you just sort of you forget how special some of them are. I, I mean, that sounds awful. I don't really mean it in a, in a way of, like, you know, we're whatever. But I, it, it is a thing where, like, you've, you've watched it months ago and people are in town and there's so much going on for the festival. There's a lot on our plates. Yeah. And, and so watching Russell again, it's just – it's such an amazing film and, you know, shot in Huntsville, Alabama. So, and some in Birmingham. Um, and so it's just, I, I, I love it so much. I'm glad that that film found a distributor in Oscilloscope that is giving it some attention and some love and care and trying to spread it, you know, uh, across the country right now because it is so terrific. It's such a wonderfully uh, made film that tells these really gripping stories of these young men. And, and, you know, that's a, that's the sort of film that we get a lot of, uh, sort of inspirational sports movie that shows young people trying to triumph uh, over adversity, but wrestle is done particularly well. And I think it's safe to say that even removing the local connection from it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I I think that that film stands on its own, regardless of how much, you know, the connection to Alabama makes us love it. Um, and, you know, just to give a little bit of context, if you can tell, if you couldn't tell by the title, it's just following this wrestling team from a sort of what I would call an underperforming high school in, in you know, central Alabama. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? Yeah. And, um, you know, the coach is a white guy who's, I, I believe, there for Teach for America. Something like um, that. And the majority of the team is black. So, you know, there's, uh, you know, sort of like really privileged, probably, you know, from a fairly wealthy background, white guy sort of trying to mentor, you know, kids who are very different than him. Um, But it doesn't, I think that the film does a great job at not falling into the territory of sort of white savior, let's praise him. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that? No, I I think you're right. I think it's nuanced enough in showing... I mean, the, the the wrestling coach is an interesting figure in that he's he's pretty brash. He's got a lot of rough edges about him. Um, I feel like if I talked that way to some of my students, uh, I wouldn't have a job anymore. Um, maybe yeah, but that's, that's you, you teach English, right? I, yeah, so, I don't, I don't I mean, teach it's not wrestling. Like, I don't teach like yeah, slamming. You can't be like, shut the fuck up and read this, <laughs> Emily Dickinson, bitch. But wouldn't it be nice sometimes? <laughs> um, no, I, yeah, I, I just think he's a fascinating character who um, – I, he's not a perfect guy. He he admits that throughout the film, um, and I think in sort of making himself vulnerable, even as as cantankerous as he can be, he he does manage to sort of reach these boys in ways that a more I don't know upstanding sort of uh, stand and deliver style educator might not be able to. 
Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, I think he's going through a process too. He's like mm-hmm. kind of going like, whoa, like I've screwed up so many times in my life. I mean, he actually says this yeah. in the film, right? Like I've screwed up so many times in my life and I had so much of a safety net. I had so many people supporting me and helping me back up and I had all these opportunities despite my big mistakes. And I'm not seeing that in these other kids' lives and that's not really fair. Well, it's an example of the the, the privilege that a white educator coming into a uh, a predominantly African American school district is made aware of, like, yeah. oh, you know what uh, in my life has been just yeah, boys will be boys, roughhousing, and yeah, I messed around with drugs sometimes, but uh, you know that's that's just something I did when I was a kid. All of a sudden, he sees this in his students as you know potentially life altering or life ending. Um, incidents you know there's there's a sequence that's pretty harrowing um i don't know if somewhere in the second half of the film where uh a couple of these boys are stopped by the police Mm -hmm. and this whole incident is captured on camera um and you realize just how different a world this is for them and it's eye-opening not only for the viewer it's eye-opening i think for this white coach who yeah, yeah, yeah. has to deal with this all of a sudden. Yeah, I agree. And it's, you know, aside from that, like the young men in the film are, are just really compelling to watch. Mm-hmm. Super interesting. It's beautifully shot. Yes, it is. Uh, two female directors, uh, Suzanne Herbert and Lauren Belfer. Exceptionally I hope I'm made. Her name exceptionally made. Correctly. Uh, yeah, it's really, really great film. So if you have an opportunity to see Russell, highly recommended. I think it's on VOD in a couple weeks. So keep an eye out on, on that from iTunes. So what I've been watching, um, I teach a history of film class. And we, we work from the beginning all the way to... Uh, modern era over the course of two very, very fast semesters to the degree that sometimes I'm just like, uh, uh, also, yeah, Italian neorealism is a thing, but you're going to have to look into that later because we don't have time. Um, but what, one thing that we have done over the past few weeks, we've, we've moved out of a unit of study on the French New Wave and into a unit of study on New Hollywood. And to illustrate sort of the uh, revolution of American independent and studio filmmaking. We watched two films from 1967, the the year that it is is credited with sort of changing Hollywood filmmaking um, and paving the way for the decade of the 1970s. Uh, we watch Arthur Penn's Bonnie and Clyde and hell yes. Mike Nichols' The Graduate. Hell yes. Um, li- did you notice that a little less of a hell yes in this? In not, as in, not as into The Graduate? I mean, I like it. Yeah. But I just wanted to make sure that you knew that the Bonnie and Clyde hell yes was a little okay. more excited. Noted. Uh, my students would disagree, judging by eh. their responses to Bonnie and Clyde, which we finished today as uh, the day of this <laughs> recording. Did you give them a trigger warning? No, I didn't. That's why they're mad. They're not. They're not. Um, the predominant complaint I heard was that it was, quote, boring. What? Yeah. Yeah. So not <laughs> enough triggering is in gunfire. You get you see what I mean. Okay. Anyway. Um, I, I got it. I just, yeah. What is What can be said about these, these two films, which are, you know, now 52 years old, uh, and it's astoundingly influential, um, as influential as, as perhaps two American films can be in their own ways. One, the sort of, um, well, it's not even his breakout role. I always forget this. Like Mike Nichols, noted stand-up comedian who comes out 
guns blazing with Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, and then a year later, The Graduate. Just as strong a one-two punch of filmmaking as, as there has ever been. And then Bonnie and Clyde, um, I mean, you got 1967 era Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway, both smoking hot in that movie. Mm-hmm, definitely. G- Gene Hackman. Uh, in there in a supporting role. I mean, not just, smoking hot, but, but you know, he's but Gene doing Hackman. his thing. Yeah. Um, you, you've got, I mean, just some of the most, like, even still to this day, cognitively dissonant, like, tonal shifts in a movie <laughs> between, like, broad comedy and just sudden, abrupt violence. And, you know, that ending, what can you say? Well, both of those films' endings, what brutal. can you say about them? Absolutely brutal. Um, what do you think about these movies? You seem to I like them both. Love them both. Yeah, I love both of them. Um, just and also, you know, sort of discovered both of these films very young. Yeah. So, um, you know, for that reason too, it's like there's a you know a little bit of inherited nostalgia there for sure. them. Um, and then just as an adult who teaches film, such teachable films. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like just sort of motif and metaphor with the graduate. Just thank you for making that film. If for no other reason, then it gives me some wonderful fodder for teaching. You see, he's in the fish tank. The shot is from the other side of the fish tank. And then he puts the scuba suit on and you get it. Water. Yeah. What does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? Um, we we have such a such wonderful discussions about the graduate too the the sort of dawning realization among my students when they're just like, oh wait, Benjamin Braddock is kind of an asshole. And, yeah, and yeah, Mrs. Yeah. Robinson is is kind of sympathetic, but she isn't. But then she is. But what do we do with this? And they don't. The fact that they still, after fifty one years, uh, fifty two years, however long, uh, audiences still don't quite know what to do with it is just so wonderful to me. It's still so naughty and and dark and and hilarious. I mean, I, yeah. I laugh like a maniac during that movie. Yeah, great films. And here's something kind of fun that I teach. I teach beginnings and endings of films. Uh-huh. Uh, so The Graduate, the polar opposite ending of The Graduate is Say Anything. And that's a lot of fun to look at in yeah. comparison. Get ready for a five-minute fight. Five-minute. Round one. Fight. fight. Now we're kind of, this is a bit of a role reversal right now. Okay. Because our five-minute fight, we can start the clock anytime now, is the film Cruel Intentions. Okay, yeah, I don't know that I have a major argument other than I saw this in middle school and thought it was dumb. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Look, Corey's little middle school self was like, this is so stupid, cruel intentions. Yeah, Uh, and that's that's right in the wheelhouse, I think, for a middle and high school age boy who is looking for relatively safe, uh, sexy thrills, right? With appealing uh, young stars of the moment, like uh, Sarah Michelle Geller, she's Buffy. Everybody loves Buffy, right? right? Except um, when she's not Buffy, Sarah Michelle Geller is is questionable. Oh, um, I disagree. I think she's great in these kind of teen films. Mm. I think she's great in them. She's a lot of fun. She's interesting to look at. Um, and I mean, I think part of the reason we're having this argument is because you kind of came out strong on the social media. It's the saying, 20th anniversary of Cruel Intentions. And all of a sudden, this be, this is being positioned as a movie that people apparently like. And people why? love this film. Why? I love this film. Why? It's really fun. And so your your sort of point here is like, why are we re-releasing this in theaters? Why is this something to be celebrated? Like, there? Why not? 
I can have I a can good point, time. Enjoy yourself. I can point to any number of other thrillers from the era that have aged better. Put them put them back on the screen too. My whole point is this. Look, I am not here to defend how great this film is. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. This is not going in the canon. It's not a good film. No, it's not a good film. It's an enjoyable film. It's a grab some pizza and some popcorn and watch these two hot girls kiss film. Like, it's really, really... In- why, why can't we put this back in theaters? Why? I want to go... I, I mean, I'm go. not like going to... St- like stand in the door of the theater with the National Guard or something preventing people from going to the movies. No, but you typed out a little thing on Facebook that was like, this should not be in the theater. I I, I question like why all of a sudden we've got t-shirts for it at Target and like all of a sudden 20 years on, it's like beloved for some reason when you've got movies. Okay, I'll give you this. Reese Witherspoon is and has always been, you know, really talented. She's really good in the movie. But if I'm looking at 1999 in particular, we got we got election right there. Why am I not hearing you say the word Selma Blair? I don't know. That's a, such a long pause, right? Because, see, I just won. I just won this argument when I said Selma Blair. <sighs> okay. I mean, look. <laughs> This is not an argument that I feel all that passionately about because I saw this movie in 1999. It's been like a thousand years since I've seen it, too, and yet I'm still going to fight for it. I am so looking forward to grabbing a bag of popcorn and a flatbread pizza and a soda and a bunch of candy. And, like, I'm going to have to go to the Gold's Gym for, like, six more weeks (laughs) after this. But I am looking forward to sitting in one of those comfortable seats and watching this film. I think that I'm glad they're bringing it back. I'm glad it's going into theaters. You, you can have your Ryan Philippe movie, and I'll go see the, something else. Oh, you had know. to mention him. Now now I'm starting to lose. That's where my like the, the meter he, starts dropping for me. He's fine. He's a plank of wood. Yeah, he's a, he's he's, a plank of wood in the he's movie. He's a plank of wood with abs, and people like that. People, people like, like abs. That. They like Bradley Cooper. <laughs> he's a plank of wood with I, abs, too. I, I, have been, I have been informed throughout my life that people do indeed like abs. They like planks of wood with abs, Bradley Cooper and Ryan Felipe. So, I, you know, I'm standing strong here. I think you're, you don't have a lot to hang your hat on. No, I one. really I, don't. You know, because what you're doing when you try to fight against this film is you are being the killer of fun. Well, look, I, look, I, I can stand up and proudly defend... A movie like Wild Things, which I think is really good. And that's good. a whole nother that's uh, next level shit. I, I, I will I will go to bat for showgirls, as you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh I'm a fan of these sorts of movies. Um, but I'll just watch Dangerous Liaisons again. I don't need the I don't why are we coming up with Dangerous Liaisons because versus Cruel, Cruel Intentions is a remake of Dangerous Liaisons. Yeah, but, but I mean, it's just like but little babies doing it's, two it's completely... little babies, little high school babies who are just like, We read a book. Well, you know where they got the idea of do of, of doing this sort of offshoot of da- dangerous liaisons when they looked at Keanu Reeves' face and in, oh, in that film and were like, oh, up. you know what you're we bring should him do? Up. Okay, that's yeah, exactly. Fine. That's fine. So I think this is all fair game. I'm so happy it's coming back into theaters. I'm happier knowing that it's bothering you. It, it, it bothers me that it's this specific one. You want you want a little high school baby? Guess who won? I, you, Rachel, you won obviously, but like, look. <laughs> You know, you, you put that in theaters again, but not 10 Things I Hate About You, which is clearly superior. Clearly superior. Sam, where are you? Why don't we have damn Target t-shirts for that? I would go see Fear, the you know, Mark Wahlberg oh, fucking Oh, Fear is fucking awesome. Reese on the, the roller good. coaster. That's Hell good. Hell yeah. Are we still getting all of this? <laughs> <laughs> this is included. Um...
I don't even know where to start with this one. I haven't seen Cruel Intentions, um, but I know Sarah Michelle Gellar is amazing just because she was Daphne in the live-action Scooby-Doo. Um, so whoever said that Sarah Michelle Gellar sucks in Cruel Intentions was probably wrong. Um, and I love how a lot of this argument was Rachel kind of just bullying Corey. <laughs> like, one's <laughs> bullying Corey's middle school self, <laughs> who isn't even here right now. Um, and uh, Rachel's impersonation of Corey's Facebook posting voice, which I loved. And I'm going to read all your posts in that voice from now on. Um, so yeah, I'm leaning towards Rachel on this one. And also props to Rachel for coining the term blocks of wood with abs uh, as the new term for actors. I think that's what we should all refer to them as. Um, so yeah. I'm going to say Rachel for now and then go home and watch Cruel Intentions and maybe figure it out or something. I don't know. <laughs> so that's what Sam thinks. Unfortunately. <laughs> but what do you think? You can uh, visit us on our Facebook page to vote. At Sidewalk Film. What's this shit? So I go into the cardio cinema. I'm on the treadmill. And I totally know what this film is to a certain degree. Uh-huh. You know how I know it? How do you know it? Well, it's the film Transformers. You want to guess? Well, I bet there's a robot punching another robot. Yeah, there's a dancing like bee thing that was like a toy my brother had when yeah. we were kids, yeah. and you know it's clearly Transformers. I just don't know which one because my understanding is there's like I think 800 million. There are. Never mind. We can get into that yeah. later. There are five well, plus the spinoff on Bumblebee, but we can talk about oh that Oh, my later. gosh. I can't believe it. So I see this dancing robot, right? And then I see Marky Mark's leathered face. And I'm like, oh, it's Transformers. And so instead of, like, you know, being able to bring you some kind of big clue like Marky Mark's leathered face, I'm just going to – I knew you'd know right away. So I'm just – we're going to guess which Transformers this is based on the shitty dialogue that I wrote down. Okay. Okay. So, and, and again, I'm cardio cinemaing it, cinemaing, cinema, something it. So, uh, forgive this sort of broken up dialogue. Okay. Okay. But basically, we've got Marky Mark, and I'm going to try to do Marky Mark's voice right. here, saying something like, Great, look, if you're hungry. Am I getting it? Is that a good Marky it, Mark? Every, every sentence, you need to uh, say every sentence as if you're asking a question. Great, look, if you're hungry, I got some frozen pizza, burritos, might be some smuckers in the fridge. This is right after he's gotten, like, a Coors Light handed to him with the logo turned towards the camera very slowly. As one does. Right. And so then the this uh, young woman pops her head back in the room and says something like, and I'll tell everyone where you are, right? Which apparently he doesn't want people to know. And so uh, and he goes, hey, am I being blackmailed by a 12-year-old? Which she's feisty, turns around and says, 14, right? And so now was when Marky Mark has his get, earns his big paycheck. And he says, you know... You're really missing out because it's okay to be a kid, little J-Lo. He does say it just like that. <laughs> you think you're a badass, huh? And by the way, she, he's definitely called her bro like 50 times at some point yes. here. Uh, and so, all right, tough guy, I got a pop quiz for you. Say you've got a inline John some, uh, slant six. I couldn't make out what he was saying. His voice is like, you know, he's had that, like he's done that speech trying to get rid of that Boston accent, but it went some different direction sure. here, okay? And so, I got it. You need to go out there and fix an Autobot. It's about to bleed out. You got 30 seconds to go. Now what are you gonna do? And I just want you to know that somebody got paid to write basically what I just read. I get that I'm, I'm messing up here and there, but not as much as Marky Mark is messing up. So... 
you'll be relieved to know that they got paid to write the lowest grossing of the Transformers movies to date. And so what was that? Just about $100 billion? Yeah, something like that. Transformers The Last Night, the the most recent Michael Bay directed film that ties the Transformers mythos into Arthurian legend. Ugh. So you have Marky Mark running around uh, with his plucky teenage sidekick and, and her robot friend. Uh, Gerard Carmichael's running around there. Anthony Hopkins shows up, a robot butler who plays the pipe organ. Is this what happens when you give people too much money? This is what happens, yeah, I guess when you lock Michael Bay into a contract and he doesn't care about the end result. It's like, yeah, we'll throw in a submarine. Yeah, we'll throw in a planet colliding with the planet Earth, which happens at the end of that movie. And it's kind of actually really awesome. Um, Oh, my gosh. And so this film is, what is it? Transformers? Transformers Melancholia. No, it's Transformers (laughs) The the Last Night. Um, And it uh, sort of... We didn't need this film. It's the third best Transformers movie. So your mileage may vary. So now it's time for Cal's Corner. Cal McKinnon is a features programmer for the Sidewalk Film Festival and Cinema. He's going to take a few minutes to talk about whatever the heck he wants to. Speaking of discomfort, I saw Climax uh, two days ago. Um, now, let me back up because I uh, this time last week, I actually had a conversation with Corey and Rachel where I declared that I was not going to see Gaspar Noe's Climax I had felt that I was kind of at at this point done with his films. Um, I and I've really given it my all, and I've actually enjoyed some of his films. But I mean, I've driven to you know I've driven out of state to go see Enter the Void. I once sat in someone's living room filled with a constantly operating fog machine, watching I Stand Alone. That was a really confusing kind of scenario, but it happened, and it was. Um, really strange watching a movie that way when you could barely see the screen and each cut has a deafening gunshot sound. Um, so, you know, I, I, I feel like I'd serve my nickel with, uh, with Gaspar Noe, but, um, so something changed and it's a very strange thing, but I was, um, I, I was just flipping through Twitter and, Someone had made a comment about the film that was positive, and I just opened up that thread and saw someone gave away kind of a sort of a spoiler that really caught my attention. And it's kind of actually what made me just my brain. It just it just decided, oh, I kind of want to see that now. What was the spoiler? Well, it's really insignificant in the grand scope of the whole film. So but is basically that like the last 15 minutes of the movie, the camera's upside down. So that's all it took for me to decide I'm definitely not going to go see this movie to, you know, I kind of want to see it to me explaining to Joyce who this director is. Joyce is my wife. I'm explaining to my wife who this director is. I'm explaining what the tone of his movies were like. I show her the first, uh, I show her the opening credits to Enter the Void to see just how absurd the credit sequence is and the, and the fonts and all. Check out the fonts on this. And um, so before you know it, the next day I am I am definitely going at the 2.30 showing um, by myself, by the way. And um I get in the theater, and there's only one other person in the theater, and it's someone I don't recognize, and um, and so I just kind of find a seat. He's kind of found the exact like middle spot of the theater, the middle row in the middle of the middle room. So I I opt for a little bit closer towards the front, and um, so I have this kind of feeling already that I'm by myself, even though there's, it's really weird to think that there's one other person in there. But then 
the third person walks in who he looks he's an older gentleman wearing like a trucker's hat and he kind of looks like he would have run a bait shop a while ago and he just he moves very slowly and he just kind of he walks in during the, the previews and makes his way presumably towards the back of the theater now so now i know that i i'm now in a room with two other humans and about to see you know a, what i know is going to be an uncomfortable and very unpredictable movie and um so all is well and it, it starts playing and i'm actually enjoying it quite a bit and um it it gets to a point where a few of the characters start talking about the, you know, how what way they want to have with these particular women that they're staring across the room at, and it's very graphic and it's um, it's it's very specific anatomically, and um, and then next thing I know, I see the uh, that that older gentleman with the hat. He's slowly falling his way out of the theater, and I'm like, well, that makes sense. I mean, like the movie hasn't gotten it hasn't gone off the rails yet, but it's definitely I can see how it could be like testing someone. So, all right, well let's just let's keep going. And so uh, the movie unfolds and it starts, um, you know, kind of blowing my mind. And uh, and about fifteen or twenty minutes pass, and that same guy just comes back into the theater, which really freaks me out. Like I'm. I'm now, he, he makes his way back and he just kind of walks up the, I see him out of the side of my vision walking up the steps and he kind of disappears into the back. And I'm now, my my brain is formulating a story that this guy like can't stand what he was witnessing and thinks that the two other people in the room need to die. And so he must have gone out to the parking lot to pick up a, a weapon or something. And then he's going to come up and he's going to plant like a gun to the back of someone's head, the person behind his head. And he's going to pull the trigger and I'm going to be the, that guy's going to die instantly. And I'm going to be the one like kind of freaking out. I'm trying to figure out like what I'm going to do in this scenario. And it was like, I'm just going to have to run for that exit right there. Um, this is not like I'm. I'm not saying this to be funny. I'm saying this just to tell you what it's like to watch a Gaspar Noé movie. Um, that's what was going through my mind, and I I would have preferred that it didn't. It didn't because it was really distracting. However, I let that go, and I then just kind of decided, okay, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. So I'm just going to soak this movie in. And a really fun way to watch uh, a movie like this, where um, you know a pregnant woman gets kicked in the stomach and things like that happen is to really is to be present with it and then to try to feel it at its full extent um so whatever emotions you're having try not to block them and just let them happen and man that really that will really um that will stick with you for the next two days uh it's 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 a really it's kind of similar to like jumping off a building that you kind of know you're gonna land okay uh, i guess with a bungee cord but um um, that's what I did. And ultimately with two days distance, I, or I guess it's been three days since I've seen it. I actually really liked the movie and I think it's kind of amazing and fantastic. Um, someone told me they saw the movie with a crowd of people and that, ex and, and so like when the credits hit, all you can do is want to just like sit and like, and ponder and, and, and just kind of look back at what you just went through. But instead, he was he, just people in front of him were just complaining about the movie, saying what they didn't like about it. So it immediately is just like bursting this kind of weird bubble that it creates. Well, I was in a different position where when the movie ended, I knew that there was two other people in the room and 
I'm at the front row, so I still kind of feel like I'm alone now that I've gotten past my like strange, strange murder fantasy. But um, so then I'm like, so am the credits just ended? The screen, the lights are off on the screen, or the projector's off. The lights are on in the room. And it's like, well, okay, I guess I get up, but do I say anything to the other people in the room? And I, uh, I honestly debated this, and I just said, no, I'm just going to stand up, and I'm just not going to look back at the two other guys, and I'm just going to just deliberately make my way out and leave. And I stop by the restroom, and as I'm watching, washing my hands, I see that older guy walk in. I see him in the reflection of the bathroom of the of the. I see him in the reflection of the sink mirror, and he and I finally make eye contact. And it's while while I'm washing my hands, and we just make quick eye contact. He does not smile. He just looks at me kind of coldly, and then just goes on his way to the to the urinal. But um, I uh, I kind of at that moment really wished I didn't make eye contact with him. I can't explain why. I don't really have any kind of ending to the story other than that that I just I walked to my car, and okay, I do have an ending. I walked to my car. I got into the car. I. Uh, and I called my wife because she was expecting me like to be home probably like 10 minutes earlier. She asked me, so how was the movie? And I, I was like, well, and I paused and I actually just started laughing like with like pure genuine laughter. I just kept like laughing and laughing like in this really deep chuckle. And, and then she's like, okay, I, I guess I get it. And I was like, yeah, I'll tell you about it later. In hindsight, I'm glad I went. I guess what I've learned from this is that I'm not one to stick to um, any kind of declarations I make. Kyle McKinnon is a feature film programmer for the Sidewalk Film Center and Cinema. All right, Rachel, um, I have a new segment I'd like to call the Filmmaker Lightning Round. I like it. Okay. Already. So I like the word lightning. Lightning is about to strike, uh, which could be a disaster, but we'll see. <laughs> um, this week, month, whatever... Uh, this month, to correspond with the Sidewalk Book and Film Club selection of Rear Window and a book of critical examinations on, on that great film, um, I'd like to present to you um, four questions very quickly off the dome about the, film, uh, the films of Alfred Hitchcock. Um, okay, so, okay. In my defense, can I just can I just say that I'm ill prepared for this? Like sure. I had no idea this was going to go down. And that's fine. Okay, cool. So off the dome, a film by Hitchcock that you love. Notorious. Uh huh. I just saw that. I think I told you for the first time a couple of weeks ago. It's great. It's absolutely great. It's yeah. absolutely wonderful. And and the sort of grandmother figure in this film. Yeah. Yeah. You got to see it if you haven't. Yeah. And if you have, like, I know you're, you know, shaking your hands in the air in joy. Yeah, it's terrific. A film of his that you like, that you might not love, but you like. You're going to be pissed. Okay. The birds. I'm not that pissed because that would be my answer, too. Oh, really? Yeah. That's shocking. Uh, it's fine. It's good. I I appreciate a lot of it. Yeah. I think Tippi Hedren is disastrous as the lead. <laughs> She's not very. Well, I mean, good. she's being you know emotionally abused by Hitchcock the whole time. So give her a freaking break. I'll I'll cut her some slack, but he did <laughs> not get the desired result. I think he wanted. Um, Agreed. A film that you might not like as much as other people do by Hitchcock. You know, there's probably actually a lot of those. Yeah. Um, 
I'm going to go with Rear Window. I know. I know. Wow. I know. There's so many people really angry take. right now. All 20 of our listeners are pissed. Yeah. They're, but it's you're gonna the get, truth. You're going to get a half a dozen hate tweets. Yeah. A half of a tweet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I can't. I can't go with you there. I can't okay. go with you there. I think we my can answer, disagree. My answer would be the same as the answer to this next question, which is a film of his you need to see again. I mean, that answer still, I think, stands as notorious. Like, I feel like yeah. I haven't seen it in a long time. I would like to see it again. So I think that's the case. But also Vertigo. I love Vertigo. It's it's super weird. Yeah, it it's is. It's so strange. And so that's one I think, like, just go back and think about how damn weird that film is. Yeah. And then just, it's also a, be a really fun thing to make, like, a bunch of green jello molds <laughs> and, watch, and, and watch that film. <laughs> Just like pick a color palette, like pick a color from sure. the film and just make that in jello molds and watch it. And there, that's a night. So as I said, this would be the same answer for the film that I don't like as much as other people do. And that's North by Northwest. Uh, agree. You know what? That's, I think that's a really good choice there. Um, I, I think it's, it's very entertaining, but it's critical reputation has me thinking that, well, I, I, I saw it when I was a kid and I liked it fine, but... It's not one of his best films like everybody else seems to suggest it is. So maybe I need to go back and take a second look at it. Uh, Yeah, I think that's fair. So we've got really crazy, incredible, original music for this podcast. I want to credit the person who does this. That's Jason Keener and specifically Splash 96. It's terrific. We, We love our new theme. We record the Sidewalk Podcast here at the amazing Boutwell Studios in Homewood, Alabama. Visit BoutwellStudios.com for more information on the various services they offer, including ADR services, sound design, original music, and, of course, podcasting. Thank you so much for listening to the Sidewalk Podcast. We're your own personal cinematic, Katie Couric and Matt Lauer. Oh. I'm not going to touch that one, unlike Matt Lauer. I think we better not. Anyway, visit us at SidewalkFest.com or on the social medias at... At Sidewalk Film on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and pretty much everything else. Bye. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.